Hello and welcome to Studio Class. I am Megan Enan, your host and diva sidekick. Wondering how to build your singing career and still make enough money to survive? It's not always easy, and we certainly didn't cover this during Studio Class at school. However, I'm here to give you the micro-actions that over time will transform your relationship to your career. Let's do this. Thanks for joining me for episode number four. This episode of Studio Class is brought to you by 29 Days to Diva from the Sybaritic Singer. If you are ready to truly maximize your diva potential, 29 Days to Diva is a course designed for you. Be one of the first people to hear about the launch in February 2017 by visiting bit.ly slash 29 Days to Diva. In this fourth episode, we're covering upping your averages, and then we're going to walk through the parts of an audition, plus lots of little tips and tricks along the way. Here we go. The most sublime comment I have ever heard from an audition panel was, wow, she really came to play. Simply put, the audition is the best of your preparation actualized. The better the preparation, the better the audition. The biggest fear I hear from my Sybaritic Singer readers is, I don't want to fail. The painful uncertainty of this career choice is palpable, especially for the postgrad set. There are times I can feel it oozing from my screen when I read, I don't know what I would do if I fail. You just know that there's some vision hovering above them of a parent's basement, Gossip Girl reruns, and a meaningless office job. As much as we all try, it is difficult to watch our friends seemingly succeed in their endeavors while we toil away at our own mission. If you are one of those poor souls who dreads auditions, as many of us do, make preparation your ally against all anxiety. Auditioning is truly a separate art form than singing or stage performance, and it is the place where divas are made. If you can audition well, you can practically take over the world. (laughs) There's a short phrase that I like to tell myself when I need an inspirational boost. I call it upping your averages. What does upping your averages mean? Well, in baseball, the batting average is defined as the quotient of hits divided by at-bats. It means that if you have done only two singing-related things this week and one of them went poorly, your average is sitting around 500, which is where the baseball and singing averages part ways because 500 is pretty good, but we're not going to talk about that right now. So, however... If you up your averages to 15 singing-related activities and you're hitting 12 of those things out of the park, your average has gone up to a cool 800. It is in your best interest to do as many auditions as possible to not only up your averages, but to hone your skills in this specific craft. Before you go slogging through auditions willy-nilly, take this challenge to help make more of your auditions successful. All right, divas, your studio class challenge today is to take that room by storm and audition like you mean it. So to carry the baseball metaphor a little farther, I want to tell you about Helen Callahan. You probably have a passing vision of her from Penny Marshall's indelible 1992 film, A League of Their Own. Who doesn't love that movie? Baseball movies forever. Okay, Helen Callahan Candale St. Alban was a left-handed center fielder who appeared in five seasons in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, playing under the name Helen Callahan. 
As a rookie with the Minneapolis Millerettes, Callahan hit a 287 average in 111 games for second in the league. She also finished third in total bases, hits, runs, and stolen bases while tying for third in home runs. The Millerettes moved in 1945, becoming the Fort Wayne Daisies, and that year Callahan had her best season, batting 299 to lead the league. The league average was 198 that year. She tied for the league lead in homers, three, led in total bases, 156, was second in steals at 92, and first in hits, 122, second in runs, 77, and first in doubles, 17. Callahan was often called the Ted Williams of women's baseball. The league was not yet giving out player of the year or all-star honors, but it is clear she was a candidate for both. So Fort Wayne finished second and advanced to the championship, but fell four games to one despite a 400 mark from Callahan. Callahan slipped drastically in 1946, hitting just 213, even though league averages rose about 10 points. She still tied for third in steals with 114. After missing the 1947 season due to illness, she returned for part of 1948 after getting married and having her first child, one of five, and also just pro tip or note on the side, one of her sons has this amazing uh, documentary and book on Beethoven. So there you go. Music is everywhere. However, that year she hit just 191 as a bench player. She finished her career with Kenosha in 1949 as Helen Candell, bouncing back to a 251 mark, tied for seventh in the league. She was ninth in total bases, eighth in steals, sixth in doubles, and tied for eighth in triples. In a five-season career, Callahan was a 257 hitter, so 355 for 1,382, with seven home runs and 85 runs batted in in 388 games, including 354 stolen bases, 249 runs, 35 doubles, 15 triples, and 221 walks while striking out 161 times. Her on-base percentage was thus approximately 359, while she slugged a solid 319. So the reason I'm telling this story is because I want to point out all the various stats that they have in baseball. Listen to that final paragraph again. In a five-season career, Callahan was a 257 hitter with seven home runs and 85 runs batted in in 388 games, including 354 stolen bases, 249 runs, 35 doubles, 15 triples, and 221 walks while striking out 161 times. Her on-base percentage was thus approximately 359 while she slugged 319. We're talking home runs, RBIs, stolen bases, doubles, triples, and on-base percentage in addition to batting average. Baseball, like singing, is played daily, friends. And I'm encouraging you to think of all the stats you can measure in your singing career and up all your averages this year. We're upping our chances of quote-unquote on-base time by getting in the practice room more. We can think of auditions as at-bats and think about the outcomes of those auditions as doubles, triples, and home runs. However, you are the one in charge of the meaning you give to the outcomes of each audition. One more time. You are the one in charge of the meaning you give to the outcomes of each audition. So what a double means to you in this case could be very different from what it means to me. And that's why we don't measure our singing stats out in the open the same way that baseball players do. But that's okay. Part of today's challenge could be coming up with a stat system for yourself that you can put into practice for your next audition season. So... Let's talk about preparing for auditions. 
So the number one key for preparing for auditions is to choose repertoire that shows your voice at its maximum potential. Do your research regarding repertoire guidelines. Shout out to yaptracker.com right here for making this such an easy task. I highly, highly recommend signing up for YapTracker. Many audition notices will describe which productions are planned or being considered. Use this to your advantage. For example, the Lyric Opera of Chicago, Patrick G. and Shirley W. Ryan Opera Center has specific guidelines for the first round of video auditions, and they state, if you are invited to a live audition, be prepared to sing five operatic arias, including the recitative, if appropriate. At least one aria must be in Italian. Oratorio arias and art songs are not permitted, which doesn't seem too restrictive in the whole field of opera auditions. However, it can feel like it if you haven't been building your audition package with that in mind. It's pretty standard to consider the five aria audition, the, the standard package. So think about your repertoire right now. Do you have those five arias? Do they show those different languages? Do they show different dramatic characters? Hopefully you've been building an arsenal of different languages, composers, styles, and dramatic range. Explore the arias in your voice type for those operas on ARIA database. If you do not have any of those arias on your list, compare and contrast what you do have to the tessitura and ranges of those characters for which you are auditioning. Okay, this one is important, friends. Do not bring in anything you are working on. Bring in something you have. A good rule of thumb is to sing what you sing best, as in sing the thing you can roll out of bed, dash through the crush of the subway at rush hour in the rain, rip your stockings on the way, deal with an accompanist who seemingly has never played your rep before, and still execute flawlessly. Another good point to remember is that you should not require the judges to metaphorically leap to see you as the role. If the mezzo roles for that season are all sex pots, you may not want to come in singing all pants roles. If you don't see yourself as the roles that they are auditioning, you may want to make a strategic choice to audition for other companies this season. Those are pretty common sense things to consider, but hard to parse when you're hearing up your averages in one ear and make sure to strategically think about your auditions in the other. I get that it can be difficult to prioritize this information, and that is why I want you to start thinking critically about upping your averages. Remember that girl from the beginning of this episode who, quote unquote, really came to play? She thought strategically about where to focus her auditioning efforts, and then really went after those specific opportunities. Practice your audition techniques during your preparation period. Try different combinations of your aria package. Challenge yourself to go through the pieces in a different order. You can also practice starting arias in different parts or just do the B section. Your goal is to be prepared for whatever they ask you to sing in the audition. Try having your accompanist or coach deliberately play an extra note here or there or take a tempo differently than what you've discussed so that you can practice being unflappable or leading the audition setting. So plan to have all your materials memorized at least two weeks before the audition. I understand that, duh, we want to have all of our stuff memorized more than two weeks, but sometimes we find out about things at the last minute. So it's really important to just kind of create your audition package and then have it ready to go so that if one of those last minute audition notices crosses your desk, you have it right there. Like I said, ideally, you aren't memorizing at the last moment, but really living with your ARIA package over time before the audition season. We all know what it feels like to be less than memorized for something. That feeling is crap, friends. Ever heard that phrase, beach bodies are made in the winter? 
Well, breakout audition seasons are made right now, divas. The work you do right now will pay off when audition season comes around. So, take a look at your binder and ask yourself, what do these arias suggest about me as a singer? On a scale of one to she really came to play, what level of preparation is each aria enjoying at the moment? At the time I'm recording this, you have 31 weeks until audition season really gears up. As part of studio class today, I want you to create a printout of 31 weeks and timeline or milestone your way to your ideal audition season. Which weeks would be devoted to notes and which weeks would find you devoted to text and diction like you've never been before? Which weeks would have you working with a coach or with an acting teacher? What deadlines would you create for yourself for memorization? What kind of research do you need to do to make sure your recits are on point? Do you need to commit some time to cadenzas or ornamentation? When will that happen? You may know that there are weeks when you're going to be gone for another gig or for your brother's wedding or working on your rep for juries. That takes our week count from 31 to something a little bit shorter. So trust me when I say that audition season always feels just around the corner. Okay, there are quite a few logistical things to think about when it comes to auditions. You have to get yourself there. You need to have a few other materials on hand. Let's talk about that work. So you should have printouts like maps or tickets, anything you need in a notebook or on your phone or laptop so you do not have to think about it at the last minute. Do not wait until the day of your audition to GPS it accurately. Oh, divas, please learn from my mistake on that one. Pack all you need to take with you the day before your audition or the day before you travel for your audition. Plan your outfits way ahead of time. Pack extra stockings, shoes, bobby pins, and more. Taking a tip from my friends on the show Criminal Minds, I started calling it my go bag. I keep my audition things and my traveling for gigs things together in their own bags so that it is one less thing I have to think about when I'm trying to embody my best diva self. Okay, what goes in your go bag? Make a little list. In fact, make a list on your phone while you're in traffic or something like that. Make a little list on your phone of the absolute essentials for an audition go bag. And then when you have something coming up, just refer back to that list and you are good to go. That brings us to the audition binder. So here are some quick and painless tips to be a better collaborative artist with the pianist in the audition. So your binder must be able to lay open and have your name on it. And organization is essential. That can mean tabs with aria titles, opera and composer if possible. Make it neat. Bonus points for putting your arias in alphabetical order so that when they ask for something, it's very easy to flip to that page and get going. Listen. Everyone likes an efficient singer. So mark your own cuts. Remember, they won't play what they can't see. Then that kind of goes hand in hand with keep a clean pianist's only binder with no extraneous markings so that you can mark only what you want your pianist to see clearly in the music. For example, write in your cadenzas and ornaments so they know exactly what you're planning to do right there when they get there and they can follow you seamlessly. So all pages must be double-sided, laid out as they are in the published edition or the most popular published edition, because chances are that's what your accompanist knows to play. And they've already worked out those page turns for the most part. 
This one's important. No plastic page protectors, no staples, no tape ever. Unless you have an accompanist that has asked specifically for those things, leave them out of anything that you go to that has a provided accompaniment. Finally, really, if you don't want to sing it, don't put it in your binder. I've heard horror stories of people who are kind of working on something and they have it in their audition binder because they just wanted to keep it there. And then somebody sees it in their audition binder, somebody on the panel and says, oh, can't you sing that for us right now? And they've tried and they have failed. So make sure that you are presenting exactly what you want to present. If you don't want to sing it, don't put it in there. It is okay to keep one to two copies of your resume, headshot, and rep list neatly held in the back of your audition binder. If you're asked to bring an audition rep list, have it handy in the front of your binder. Okay, now we're ready to do the dang thing, right? So it may well seem as though our whole profession lives and dies by first impressions. That is mm, 90% true. (laughs) So no one will ever fault you for being early, but you will always be at fault for being late. And because the audition is the actualization of your preparation, do not forget how far preparation can extend. Ask yourself a few of these questions. Number one, why do I want this audition? Number two, how do I walk into the audition? Do I walk in thinking I already have the part or do I walk in saying, why on earth would they want to hire me? Here's a really important one. Am I memorable? Adjust your attitude to reflect your humility, but also worthiness of this opportunity. You have put in the work. You are ready for this challenge. Smile. Be confident and friendly. Okay, some of the ways that you can practice this are video recording your introduction while in the practice room. So record yourself without being able to see your face as you do it. Then you watch it later. Look for micro expressions that may give off the wrong impression. Watch out for a resting bee face. Also be aware of rushing in your speaking time. Say the titles of your pieces clearly and practice making kind eye contact. Kind eye contact is making sure that you don't look at the panel of judges like a sociopath. Work on your smizing, girl. Many of us think that we're calm, cool, and collected during this time when we're actually engaging in nervous laughter or rushing the introduction or looking like a deer in headlights or the worst sin of all. We're just being divas. Please don't. Please don't be boring. So practice these things. Ask your friends if you can just practice running through your titles and then ask them, do I look like myself when I'm saying this? Or do I look like I'm trying too hard? Or do I look like I'm being super affected? The best advice I received on first impressions is to carry yourself such that other people will think, my, I would like to have a coffee with her. So when you're heading into a chance, a first impression chance, think about, would these people like to have coffee with me? Would I like to have coffee with them? (laughs) It doesn't matter the beverage, folks. Just really matters. Do they want to spend time with me? Do I look approachable and friendly and knowledgeable? And that brings us to during the audition. First, Take the time you need to plant yourself in. Do not hide in the crook of the piano. Take the stage, darling. On the flip side, remember that an audition is not the time to try out an elaborate staging of your arias. There is a difference between performing the aria during a staged production and having presence during an audition. Practice those two performances differently. That's what you do during your practice time is this is what I would do in the stage space of an audition. This is what I would do when I have to fill up a hall and be 
uh, engaging all the way to the people in the back. So also take your cues from the audition panel. They will let you know whether you should introduce yourself and your pieces or which piece they want to hear first. As just a friendly, friendly reminder, I hope everybody already knows this. We do not snap, clap, or conduct the tempo to our accompanist. Just sing the first line at the tempo you like. Make sure you're being honest and accurate. This is something you should practice over and over in your practice room until you cannot get it wrong. Practice doing this with your own metronome so that you develop an innate sense of what does this tempo feel like? I'm going to take it at this tempo every single time, whether or not I've got anxiety and nerves coursing through my body, or if it's just a regular old day in the practice room. So coming back to the idea of audition performance, now is the time to show that you're able to emote. Obviously, there is a continuum between standing rigidly straight and being overly dramatic and flailing about. Demonstrate that you know the difference. Furthermore, demonstrate that you know the plot of the opera and your connection to the narrative. Have something to say when it comes to your pieces. Remember our cardinal rule, do not be boring. A couple of thoughts from pianist, coach, conductor, and master teacher Kathleen Kelly, as well as Director of Artistic Administration at Garsington Opera, Laura Canning. Quote, have an opinion. Have many opinions and bring them to the table. Nothing is deadlier than music managed rather than live. Performance designed not to offend. Avoid asking for permission in the moment of performance. Sometimes I feel like auditioners are painting themselves white like apartments that could be rented by anyone. Believe that we, meaning the panel, truly want to know who you are. End quote. So during your audition, endeavor to show the audition panel that you have a secure sense of who you are as an artist, who you are as a musician and performer. You sing your last note. Hold your performance gaze. Thank the judges and accompanist and walk out of the room with your head held high. Everyone has terrible auditions. Everyone. Even if this particular audition didn't go well, for the love of all things holy, do not make a scene right outside the door. Your audition ends when you have left the building. Do not fret. Auditions are not meant to be a demeaning and demoralizing experience. The judges want you to succeed. They would desperately love to have knockout audition after gold medal audition. They are simply looking for what they think would fit their production best. Be confident in your preparation and sign up for another one. Once your audition is over, that brings us to the postmortem. Here are some questions to ask yourself. Number one, how did I make myself proud in that audition? Number two, what could I have done better? Number three, did I prepare myself well for this audition? Number four, what did I learn from other people? You can learn a great deal from observing the other auditionees and the audition panel. And finally, number five. Am I willing to learn? If you're not willing to learn from each audition experience, then you are throwing away one of the most valuable teaching tools. Then, divas, it's on to the next one. Remember, auditioning is all about upping your averages in the most efficient way. Just as Helen Callahan didn't swing at every single pitch when she was at bat, you don't have to take every single audition to prove that you are quote-unquote doing it. You have to develop an eye for what might be a win-win for you and the company. So, what about you? Do you have any audition tips to share with the diva set?
have a horror story, have a success story. I want to know all about it. So you can find me on Twitter at Betsoenan, or feel free to use the hashtag, hashtag studio class, and I'll catch you soon. Thanks for joining me for episode four of Studio Class, brought to you by the Sybaritic Singer. Many thanks to Juanitos for the music featured in this episode. Any of the links, articles, and more I discussed in this episode will also be included in the show notes. Do you have questions about this podcast or the information I've presented here? Please go to the Sybaritic Singer and... That's SybariticSinger.com, S-Y-B-A-R-I-T-I-C-S-I-N-G-E-R.com, and get in touch.